Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 320, post-quarantine gaming strategy. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers, but especially Jonas, for being a brand new Patreon backer. My friend Jonas, thank you so much. You rock. All right, everyone, we are back, and we are back with a brand new episode. And one thing we should mention, if you are listening to this on one of the many endless number of audio players out there, that there are, in fact, a YouTube video of this live broadcast that's been recorded, posted on YouTube on Friday of the week that you're listening to this. So if you ever wanted to know how Uber professional we can be on camera uh you can actually watch us live as we talk about this so yeah live but recorded but we're doing all of this in the moment so check out youtube subscribe there because as we always promised you we're doing more and more and more content and we want you to watch absolutely yeah check us out we're here uh this is real it's not all post uh i don't even know what that means like we recorded it then we fixed it no it's all live we're doing this live live. guys we're doing it live live uncut unedited raw i mean honestly for two board gamers that just are like the most introverted podcasters in the world that were live on camera for you i mean we do live on camera on Twitch each and every week on the Wednesday that this episode comes out. So we will be doing a live playthrough with our team master, game master, Russ, who will be putting together a team to play Tokunoko this week. But again, we're also doing this live on YouTube. So, yeah, (laughs) that's a thing. We're somehow doing this after eight years. But nonetheless, we're so glad that you joined us here this week, and we have such a great episode for you. We are going to be talking about our post-quarantine gaming strategy. This is a very big, important theme. We've stopped the top tens. We just stopped the, if you love this game, try this other game. We want to take a moment to talk about going back into the world, playing board games, what the strategy is like to get in that game to the table, reconnecting with your group, and hopefully getting the latest and greatest to the table. So we will be talking about that on our feature review. And that's something that's really important to me and Anthony, right? We're both about to hit our post-quarantine zone because we got our shots, bro. Yeah, same day. We are we are both clear <laughs> on Friday. Uh, we both got our final shots the Friday before last. And we've got, like, as of recording this, four days left. And we are in the clear. Start playing games again. So I legitimately, you know, forcefully kept myself from thinking about this until the shots were final uh so now that i'm finally here i'm like oh what am i gonna do i don't even know (laughs) so it's it's very exciting (laughs) yeah we want to make sure that we help you get the best games to the table and obviously that first gamer day out is is going to be a beautiful moment so we want to share our preparation with you and hopefully that will help you get your best games to the table so Anthony, with that said, there's obviously so much going on with us. Obviously, we want everyone to watch us live on Board Game Arena on our Twitch channel in association with Board Game Arena and their fantastic game collection over there. So we're so happy to be working with them and producing some amazing content. Thank you so much for watching 
each and every week. I mean, the numbers keep blowing up. I think we're about to hit 10,000 on that alone. So uh, thanks so much. If you haven't checked us out, check us out. If you can't make the live stream, which is 8.30 Eastern Daylight Time or Eastern Standard Time. Basically, we're in New York City. So <laughs> if you know that time zone and you're available, watch us live. Jump into the chat on Twitch. If you're on Board Game Arena, there's an embedded feed, so you can check us out there. And if by chance you can't make any of those kind of special arrangements, the episodes are live and recorded on Twitch, as long as they do last, so you can catch up with those episodes there. We've had some tremendous games. I mean, it's really a great opportunity to get gaming to the table during this kind of like crazy quarantine period. And I know I've enjoyed it. You too, right, Anthony? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like... Without Board Game Arena, I don't, like, board gaming would not have existed the last year, <laughs> I know. honestly. So, it, yeah, it's been an important part of our lives. Yeah, we have an episode, not too long ago, but we did an episode way back about, uh, you know, remote gaming. Because there is a lot of setup if you're going to try to get a game to the table. So, and I mean table, like where you're recording, me and Anthony kind of try to pull that together. So, <laughs> It's a little iffy, but it can happen. So if you can't do that, you can't do Board Game Arena, listen back because we have a great episode for you. But Anthony, it's not about us. It's about our listeners. And again, what's our question of the week? All right. Question of the week this week. Tell us what your favorite game is without telling us what your favorite game is. So uh, (laughs) these are always fun. Like People have to come up with clever ways to describe their favorite games. John says the force of the impact was so powerful that part of the shockwave was sent back in time. Some say it's not really time travel, but just a fancy loan system. Chris, what game is this? Uh, that's got to be anachrony, right? I think so. That- <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ask people to tell us what the answers were, so we're oh, going to go did. through this and kind of assume <laughs> that we're right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I was thinking an acronym too. I think that's correct. Um, we have Chris who says, I love bouncing robots off walls to find specific shapes on the ground. What do you think? Well, I know what it I, I, I know what it is. I'm just trying to remember the full title. I mean that's that's like Ricochet Ricochet Robots. That's the programming game with the robots that bounce around the, the whole factory floor. Right, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think I think that's, that's correct. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll go along with that. If you have, and if, again, if we get this wrong, hit us up in the comments and tell us we forgot things. But again, COVID brain, so you know, I'm not claiming any any clarity at this point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott. He says, "I explore a creepy mansion with my friends until one of us inevitably decides to kill everyone else." I know you isn't know that like <laughs> it's every day. I mean, that's got to be Betrayal, right? Yes, that's Betrayal yes, of the House 100%. of the Hill. Yeah, that's yeah, it's be. a really or, good description, though. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got Mitchell says, I raid and pillage and conquer so that I can arrange my loot in precise geometrical patterns on the ground, except when we eat it. No, Luke. No, 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 no. No feast for Odin. No feast for Odin, man. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I knew you'd get that. I knew you'd get that. I know. Great. I'd um, like to actually see someone actually do that. Just arrange their food. <laughs> like, go full Tetris with it. Just arrange their food at the dinner table and just be like, yeah, it feeds for Odin time. So, yeah. I guess it'd be a thematic meal at the least. <laughs> That's great. 
Um, all right. CT Henry says you build half of a building at a time and hope that the intersection of the building, once it's built, crosses over and matches the architect's plans. Once you've built your ancient town, you can scream aloud, seize the day. I have a couple in mind. Wow, that that's yeah. I mean, that's a really rich description. So, oof. I don't know I'll what you think. I'll give you a hint. It's it's yeah. a Feld game. Does that help? <laughs> it's one of the twenty-five Feld games. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> putting together putting together a castle. No, putting together a city. Seize the day, to... man! It's Carpe Diem. It's Carpe Diem. See, I I've never played Carpe Diem. I've never. Uh, I, I know it's Seize okay. the Day, but I I wasn't sure if that was if he was going for the title. I I never played it. I I apologize. I've never played. You played it, right? I did. Yeah, it's one of my favorites yeah. too. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, so yeah, thank you to everybody who wrote in. We've got like awesome. twenty responses. So if you guys want to participate and try to guess on the rest of these we only listed like five of them obviously wow but uh there are a bunch more here on the facebook page facebook.com slash board gamers anonymous a few on the twitter page as well and uh you can post your guesses and see if you got them because i'm <laughs> sure the uh the the clue givers will respond in in due time uh but yeah this is a lot of fun thank you to everybody who responded fantastic and if you'd like to hit us up and let us know about what games you got to the table or what's going on with gaming, please hit us up on our all social media accounts. Social media, really not that important in the bigger scheme of things. But nonetheless, algorithms happen, board games happen. And we just want to do everything we can to get those great games to the table. So Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, obviously Twitch. Just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's talk about the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, yeah, so I'm going to talk about The Adventures of Robin Hood. This is the Ooh. new game from Michael Menzel, which releases here in the next month or two. And this is the follow-up to Legends of Andor, which is one of my favorite games of all time, again, from Michael Menzel. And Menzel has not done a lot of games. He did a ton of content for Andor. That was like his baby. He is probably best known to you as a artist. He does a lot of yes. artwork for Euros, especially German Beautiful. Euros. And Legends of Andor is like his thing. There's like three major releases, several expansions, dozens of promos. That's his thing. So The Adventures of Robin Hood is the first official like follow up to that. And I'm really excited for it because I loved, I absolutely loved uh, Legends of Andor. And so Legend, The Adventures of Robin Hood, similar idea. You've, you take on Robin Hood and his companions. You're going on this adventure. You're moving around the game board, which is like a living board, which is most games these days. I call it a living board. But uh, you're going to be making changes to the board throughout the game. Uh, it's story-based, chapter-based. But unlike Legends of Andor, where it's card-based, where each card will kind of represent a different chapter in the story, this one comes with a book, an actual physical book that you're moving through and playing through the different chapters. So the result of that is that the board itself can remember where you were, where you've been, what you've found, what you're doing. 
And all of it's kind of driven by the hardcover book that comes in the box. So I, I know some people are not a huge fan of storybook games. Uh, and Legends of Andor can be a little more divisive for adventure story gamers. But mm-hmm. I love Legends of Andor. I love the Adventures of Robin Hood. This was like one of my favorite uh, collections of stories when I was a kid. And the combination of these has me really excited. So this has been announced for a while. We talked about it in our preview for 2021. Uh, but we didn't we didn't go into a ton of detail and there wasn't a lot to talk about. But it is due to come out here in North America here in the next like two to three months. And I am all about it. I will certainly pick it up when it comes out. We will review it. I will talk about it. And uh, yeah, adventure stories, man. Uh, going through those puzzles. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, as you mentioned, just fantastic artwork. And it's really wonderful to see the artists actually bring a game to life. There's not many people out there. I think the only one I can think off the top of my head is probably Ryan Lockett. So, and Michael Menzel obviously has a unique art style and a unique game style. And his games are so rich with story and lore. And even though it's somewhat traditional fantasy, he certainly puts his own spin on it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. This is, like you said, it's it's a little different. But it, it does something incredibly right. And he's obviously gone through Legends of Andor so so much at this point that it's kind of hard to believe if this game would be bad. I, I got to believe it's going to be a great game when it hits the table. Yeah, I'm, that's where I'm at. Like, it, yeah. in my head, it's already good. I'm just excited. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's like the same thing with Gloomhaven. I mean, I, I just truly just you know, spent so much time mastering this giant game of epic levels and then he's like, hey, I'm going to put together a small storybook version of it. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course you. Yeah, you know, whatever. Like, give me, give me, give me. Like, I mean, like, you know, it's like an Olympic athlete going, y'all, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll walk to the mailbox. You're like, dude, you got this. You're going to nail that walk to the mailbox. <laughs> like, that's going to be great. I'm going to gonna back that all the way. So, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah this this is a, this is an auto back. So that's great. All right, so I want to talk about something a little odd, and we talk about our acquisition disorders typically because, again, we like to let you know what's hot, what's going to be out there on the market, what you might want to back, what you'd be interested in. And this is a really weird, interesting, possibly amazing Kickstarter. It's called Clash of Deck. Okay, a real free-to-play card game. So... The whole idea and concept behind this, this is not just a print and play, although you can print and play it, but this is a free duel or solo game that you can back currently on Kickstarter for free. Now, this is one of those situations where you're like, huh, okay, this is where they get you. Now, I don't know this company. I don't know these people. They brought out this card game like a, in a big kind of way previously and it did not back it did not look like it was going to back so they pulled it so what they've decided to do is release a single deck version of that game so it it kind of like gets out there into the community people play it and then see if they like it and then we'll back the like the full game now really all you have to pay is i guess two euros for shipping or three dollars us and you get the game Now, of course, we're always worried about Kickstarters promising more than they deliver or maybe not delivering at all. I'm not sure about this, but it's only going to cost $3. So I've looked through the game. They do have a tabletop simulator version of the game. So you can go online and play this and see if this is something that you want. You can get the rulebook. 
you can print and play this and just do it that way if you want to play the game because it's really all it is is a handful of cards. So I feel like this campaign has enough, you know, transparency and you can play the game multiple ways. You can get the rule book and, you know, all of those things that for $3, I've decided to back it. And again, the game's very simple. It's all about having a handful of cards and drawing cards as the game goes on. And then you have these two, you know, bridge areas where one side battles the other side. And in your hand is your watchtower. Uh, and then kind of, you know, goes up to your last spot, which is the stronghold. So you're trying to protect your castle, basically. And you are playing minions out to the battlefield that have a lot of strength and power and attack and special abilities. So you're basically building up mana to be able to play these cards. You are summoning these cards to the field. And then you are using your, you know, your minions on the field to assault the other side of the bridge to hopefully knock out the other player. So you've played several of these games before, several of these kind of formats before. So it's it's not like they're taking some radical leap as far as gaming is concerned. And honestly, you don't really want that at you know when you're backing a game that you're not too sure about. But I do think, and I will, you know, I've talked about this before. I think this is one of the biggest problems with gaming today and especially kickstarter is that the kickstarters are so incredibly expensive and they come with like everything that you could ever want forever in one box and if you don't know the company or it's a new company or you don't know the game it becomes cost prohibitive you just don't back it and i've done that unfortunately so many times sometimes regretting it sometimes not but like so many times it's like, oh, you would like this game? Yeah, well, it comes with everything, and you have to back everything because it's a one-time shot. It's $150. So here, I could back this for nothing or play it for free. Maybe it costs me 3 bucks. Maybe it's a fake campaign or something. I lose 3 bucks, But I'm willing to take the chance because, again, we have about 14,000 backers on this. So I think 14,000 of us uh, would have something to say. So if you're interested, Clash of Deck a real free-to-play card game is available until Thursday, April 15, 2021. You still have, give or take, about a week left to back this. This is funny. Like, you you shared this with me when you first saw it, and I remember thinking, like, I don't, I don't think I want to back this, but yeah. as a marketing professional, this is genius. This is, yeah. like... Like, here's a sample. What do you think? And doing it through the Kickstarter system, which I think is really smart, as long as it works for them financially. If they're losing money on this, uh, I don't know. It depends how much funds they have. But, like, next week we're going to talk about big, crazy, expensive Kickstarters expecting you to spend a ton of money off of, like, literally no time spent with the product at all, which has happened several times. I'll save that for next week. I have a big, long rant about it. But um, (laughs) there's a new one out today, too, but I'm just like, how would I even have time to know whatever it's it's the and don't end forget of the last week too with Stellaris yeah, yeah I know like, like and like the big thing is like we're talking about games we're like here's a Kickstarter okay you backed it we shipped it you have it next week releasing the next Kickstarter you didn't have time to play it back the next one <laughs> like no what are you doing <laughs> um so I love this idea of Here's a sample. It's almost zero down payment. It reminds me of like late night TV where like you only pay the shipping. You only pay the shipping and you get the whole thing and you get to check it out. It's fine. Um, So yeah, why not? Three bucks. Why not? Yeah. 
And like you said, I think from a marketing perspective and as far as gaming is concerned as an industry, we want to support these kind of small first-time publishers because that's what right. at least Kickstarter was initially planned to be or the mission of Kickstarter was supposed to be. Because when we first started like talking about Kickstarter, it was all these first-time designers. They wanted to get, they get their game out, and you were taking a risk as a backer. And, and, the, and the idea of Kickstarter was – that even though supposedly you were getting something, technically you were never promised something, right? You're backing the campaign. That's the legal definition. You're backing to support. If they gave you a gift as a backer, that was fine. But that's not – you weren't paying for something. Now it's just a pre-order system. It's a pre-order marketing platform for publishers. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but what I'm saying is – it's gone so far away from the initial idea and essence and beauty and wonderment of what Kickstarter was to becoming something else, which is not necessarily wrong or bad. It's just, it's so over bloated. It's so on the bubble. It is so painfully difficult now to look at, because like you said, Anthony, you just, you can't back the base game. You can't try any of the game out. And a lot of these companies, because they're pushing these games out so fast, they have very little review content about this. I mean, Stellaris, no reviews and no playthroughs. You could go watch some of the stuff online, but that was basically about it. It was like that one-time shot. And the rulebook wasn't even out. I don't know, I don't know if, it, if it finally came out by the end of the campaign, but it wasn't out there early on. So again, I love Academy Games. I love Stellaris. I love the idea. I'm going to regret it. But I just couldn't pull the trigger on two hundred dollars of something I've never with, played or never even seen. Yeah, with zero information. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very strange world. But we're we're doing our best to kind of uh, muddle our way through. So, yeah. So check that out. All right. So that's the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table, and we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should avoid the moral course, or if those games are the dreaded burn, because let's be honest, they were way too expensive to begin with, and clearly it's a mortgage on your house or a, a Kickstarter backer. I don't know which one to pick because both are crazy expensive right now. So uh, with that said, Anthony, what did you have to hit the table or the tablet this week? Okay, so I have like a half review that I'm going to do. Um I got in my copy of Venice, which is the second in the uh, Cities trilogy from, or Euro City trilogy, I should say, from Braincrack Games. The first game in this trilogy, Ragusa, is amazing. Highly recommend it. It's a buy. It's, it's you know, not quite top 100, but very close for me. It's a very good game. It's, uh, um, what is it, Felipe Lupiano. Uh, and it's just, it's brilliant. It's the designer of Kalamala and uh, lots of other games, Merv, you know, that have come out lately. Short, quick, accessible, just a brilliant little Euro takes an hour, hour and a half. Venice is the second in that series designed by Andre Novak and David Turchi. And it's not as good. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the reason this is a partial review is I have not had a chance to play it with like a full complement of players. Um, the game plays from one to five. Generally, people agree it's best with three or four. I, I can see why with five players, it would be a bit of a mess. Um, I've only had a chance to play with one and two. So I can't tell you if it's great with a larger player count. Maybe it's better. 
So I'm not going to, I'm going to withhold judgment for full player account of this game, but I have a feeling I know how it's going to go. Um, the idea of the game is you have your little boats, it's Venice, and you are moving around uh, the different canals of Venice, and you have your one little gondolier, and they're going to go in one of your two boats on your turn, and you're going to move. And you can move one space for free, and then as you go along, if you want to keep moving, it starts to cost you more, because you're pushing yourself beyond whatever limit. Um, and then when you end your movement, you can either activate the location that you're at, or if you haven't been there before, you can place one of your assistants there and then activate it, right? And each of the locations is a tile that you're going to place down on that location at the beginning of the game. So those are randomized and they have four different quadrants on them. And your worker is going to go on to the first available quadrant. And then if someone else goes there in the future, it pushes everybody forward. And that sounds great. And, you know, when you do that, if you activate, you get to do each of the different things that you've been on and then forward backward from that. Right. So if you're on space three, you're going to activate space three, space two, space one. So it's, you know, steamrolls, you build stuff, you get extra actions as you move along. The problem with this is that because you put the worker on the spot, you cannot see what it does. If it's the little tiles are too small, the workers are too big. You can't see what it does. It's a small, stupid, like production related thing, but it drove me crazy. I could not see what I was supposed to be doing on these locations. So that automatically just took me out of the game to some degree. Um, constantly lifting workers, moving them off to the side, moving them out of the way of the boats, just to see even what the action was that you were supposed to be doing when you activated that location. The other part of it, of course, is that you are moving along and the game kind of flows and moves forward based on how many different locations you've placed your assistance. If you don't have like a high player count, and honestly, even if you do, it's not particularly difficult to get to all these locations and place all your workers out. So they're like, oh, when you get all your workers out, that's the end of the game. That It's basically just 10 rounds. It's, it's not going to be more than that unless somebody does something crazy and doesn't place a worker out on a turn, which maybe they don't. Maybe they go to a location and activate it because they really need that action. But mm -hmm. the first... I don't know, five or six rounds of the game, your actions are always going to be move to another space, place something out because you want to be moving along and accelerating and gaining points and doing it that way, right? Um, the actions you take are generally going to give you cubes. You put the cubes in your boat. You have a certain amount of space in your boat. You have contracts that you're trying to complete. When you have the cubes you need to complete the contract, you turn the cubes in, you complete the contract. It's pick up and deliver, but you never have to actually deliver the cubes. You just complete the contract when you have the stuff to do it. So it honestly, the I don't know what it is. Like the act of playing the game just felt like just kind of float around the city, pick stuff up and occasionally check to see if you complete a contract. Oh, you did. Okay. You complete it. Now try to get more contracts, recycle, repeat, recycle, repeat. Um, it just wasn't, it was boring. It was very boring. Yeah. So uh, mechanically, I don't think it's even necessarily bad on paper. It just, it got redundant. The middle arc of this game, you know, the second act, not great. So multiple issues here. Uh, it drags a little bit. The, you know, physical nature of the game makes it hard to see what you're supposed to be doing on these tiles. The solo game is fine. It's good. Like it replicates like what little interaction is in the game. Cause there's not a ton. Like, there's this whole idea that if you pass another boat, 
as you are moving along the canal, you have a meeting and stuff happens and your opponent gets things. So you don't want to do that if you can help it. But you're always going to do it because it costs you money to go around them. So if you really need to get to the other side of that boat, you're going to do it. Why would you not do it? Like, I don't care if you get something. I don't want to spend a bunch of money. Um, I, yeah, I was really not impressed. I did back this on Kickstarter. I'm mm-hmm. disappointed that I did. I don't wow. enjoy it what I've played of it at all. It's on my trade pile now. Um, so it's a dodge for me. I, again, I have not played it with four or five players or even with three. And, you know, the BGG listing does say best with three. So take my word with a grain of salt. It's not a full review because I've not played it with the you know full player counts. But based on what I've seen, based on how the game flows, based on how it kind of maneuvers, um, the only major difference I see at higher player counts is people are going to pass your stuff more often. So you're going to get more things in the game, which allows you to complete more stuff. So you could like strategically place your boats and try to manipulate the situation to generate things as the game goes on. Eh, I just don't think the core yeah. game play loop really supports that. So I'm, I'm disappointed. Ragusa is amazing. Venice is mediocre. And I don't know. I probably won't back the third game in the series because of it. Um, I'll wait and see if it's any good. But if 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 any of that sounds interesting, if you like David Turchy games, if you like pick up and deliver, I mean, if you know somebody with a copy, probably I wouldn't recommend buying this. But if you know somebody with one, maybe play it, especially at a higher player count. It's not very long. It's only an hour, hour and a half long. These brain crack games are short, which is nice. But I, it just was not for me. I was super disappointed. Oof. Yeah, that's really, you know, it's it's been an interesting series of games. And as you mentioned, the last one kind of going on massive sale. So I've seen it multiple times. And like I look at the box cover and I recognize a classic Euro game from the start. And then I go to buy it. And then I look on the inside. I'm like, hmm, there's just something about this game that just doesn't seem like there's enough. There's an, either enough to it or just, ah. And it's and and I don't know because this is like this is Euro bait for me. Like this is a Euro trap. Right. <laughs> like I'm like, of course I'm gonna buy all of these. Like you know, if, again, if this was a crazy Kickstarter, I would back to all three kind of like simultaneously right? in some big box yeah. and just been like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is, but there was just something about this game, and I and I could never put my finger on it. Like when you play it, you're like, oh, like this is okay, but. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's like you like you mentioned, Anthony, there's something just fundamentally like there was an idea here, but it just it never went into the second gear. Like you're going, but it just never got out of that first gear. And it's just like, uh and then it just kind of overstays its welcome by the end. And I just yeah, I just yeah. Which is impressive <laughs> because the brain crack games are designed to be short. It's, it's yeah. meant to be short. It's meant to take pick up and deliver and make it a short, accessible experience. And it still felt too long. And I'm like, that yeah. can't be good, right? I, sh- no. I shouldn't get to the end of this and be like, this is too long when it was like 75 minutes. Um, again, Ragusa, you should check it, Ragusa. Chris, especially you, I think you would like Ragusa. That's okay. Lopiano. It's, it's really good. Uh, sure. But this one, I yeah, I can't, re- I can't recommend it. If you have it and you want to play with a higher player count, go for it. Um, I can't speak to the new one on Kickstarter. Again, that's just me saying I don't want to back it because I didn't like this one, but I have not yeah. played it or tried it. So to each their own. But yeah, this one's a pass for me. All right. 
Well, I got an expansion to one of my favorite games of all time. That game is Scythe. Now, Scythe has had multiple expansions up at this point. Some big, some small. And obviously the first Kickstarter version of Scythe when it came out was just gigantic. So even in that main box, you got a lot of stuff. So I recently got the Scythe modular board. This came back out in 2019. And if you haven't played Scythe, we've covered it like 50,000 times. But to give you the short version of Scythe, it is a Euro hybrid, little bit of battling, not as much as it would look having giant mechs on the board. That was always the kind of big thing. But basically, it's a Euro game where you're trying to meet the particular conditions of the board, scoring stars by building buildings, you know, attacking other players. Again, one of just one of the many opportunities to to score points. And again, there are a lot of conditions in order to win the game. And you are a particular faction starting on one side of the board. And you have a certain starting area and there are resources available that you'll be able to accrue throughout the game to build up mechs, to build buildings, to gain resources and special abilities. And just again, to meet those special win conditions. Now, the main board is great. Now, there is a little challenge. There is a kind of broken combo faction board situation. That's not what this issue is here. What this is, is they've taken the main board of Scythe, which, again, I can't speak to how well it's been played through or play tested, but it relatively is balanced, right? Everyone has an opportunity for resources. Everyone has an opportunity for those exploration tokens and everyone has an opportunity for the main factory in the middle of the board. So now with the modular board pieces, what you actually have in fact are modular pieces. So um, with this expansion, you get four of these modular boards and in fact, they're double-sided. So there's opportunities to kind of mix and match as the game goes on. When you do set these up on the board, they will be set up in such a way that they're all facing up in the same direction. So not to worry as far as that's concerned. Now, the board itself has also changed. Now, I backed the Uber Kickstarter one, so I also have the Uber Big Board. This is not the Uber Big Board. This is the kind of standard scythe board. Uh, but it, as you can see here, it's kind of hard to show without opening the whole entire thing. But what you'll see here on the board, if in, in fact, is there's nothing here. This is just grassland and pictures. So basically, to start the game, you'll put out these giant hexes, and that will change the terrain. So now the board is randomized. So at the start of the game, you will put out these randomized boards. You will set them up correctly. And then what happens next is you have these disks. Now, these different disks represent the different factions, and including um, an area that will not be used in the game. So these are all face down. And then you kind of spread these out in the map, or you could let people pick what area they want to go in based upon what faction they have. But it's better if you set these up in advance. Now, if you played Rise of Fenris, super tiny minor spoiler, you can use, this is the first time I'm breaking this, you can use the other two factions because they, as you remember, the other two factions come with their own disc. I waited forever. Now you know there's two factions. You should have looked at the box cover. Spoilers. Um, so yeah, you can actually play with all the factions on the board or, you know, swap them out or match as the game goes on. In addition to that, there are also these little really interesting tiles. You probably know these because 
These are the structure bonus tiles. So there are eight in the game, and they offer a number of different opportunities that you can kind of play with. And again, it just it mixes the game up a little more. So, for example, every building you build next to one of those kind of, you know, exploration tokens, um, it's going to score you points. So, yeah, I mean, eight more of these is great because it adds to the variability of the game a little bit. The tokens that come into the game obviously adds to the variable kind of location starting areas. The new board is fine. Again, it's nothing really radically new. Um, of course, the modular board setup is pretty fun. Uh, these are a little problematic. The big board, if it was kind of like, how would you say it, like recessed and these kind of like locked in, it would have been a lot better. These will move, so you have to be careful. And in fact, they can move in such a way that they could possibly block off what are actually rivers and barriers in the game. So you do have to be pretty careful with these as far as that's concerned. Uh, but obviously the quality is quite good. It's something that you should take a look at. And if you're not familiar with the little kind of Easter eggs, there is a ton of little pop references on all of these boards uh, from you know science fiction to fantasy to video games that... You know, like if you look in the background, you'll see a little particular character. I will not spoil that for you, of course. But if you do pick up Scythe, it is relatively good price. It's $25 MSRP. You could pick it up on Amazon for like $22. And you could probably pick it up even cheaper on the online stores. So for Scythe, modular board, I'm going to give it a buy. I think it's a good opportunity to kind of mix up your game a little bit, especially if you do have Rise of Fenris and you want to get some additional factions into the game. Um, again, more of the same, which is not necessarily bad. It doesn't really radically change the game in any particular way. I don't know how balanced these boards are. I played with them several times. I can't say that one is necessarily better than the other or there's a better startup. I personally, as like a hardcore Euro gamer, love the idea of like just looking at the board and going, hmm, what faction do I want and where would I want to start it? And does that faction on that particular board area, is that optimized? Because maybe that's a great faction, but in that particular area, it's not good because it doesn't have the resource. I mean, there's a lot of ways to play with this in your head that are a lot of fun. The stuff that you get, more of the same, but not bad at all. So it's a buy for a Scythe modular board. Cool. Yeah, I... Uh... I have this, but I haven't played Scythe in like two years, so I don't know. <laughs> it's in the box with Rise of Fenris and whatever the expansion was before that that I've never touched. So I'm going to believe you, and hopefully yes. I get a chance to play this at some point. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I would say that I would love to see if, if there was ever such a thing is I would like to see you know, Scythe do what Small World did, which was when you, if you buy Small World, even the base box... There's a two-player board, three-player, four-player, five-player, six. I think seven comes with that. And I think eight came with the Kickstarter. Um, so it really is play-tested and designed for that player count. When you play Scythe and you play with not a full board, it's not as fun because it runs into that standard map situation where you can't kind of like manage a player who has this, the side territories kind of open to them. This modular thing could do that, right? You could not play with certain areas and then it kind of shrinks the board kind of like Blood Rage, you know, like where Blood Rage kind of blows up an area. That could right. be kind of done here. 
but nonetheless, you're still not getting attacked from your flank. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, the boards for the individual players, but maybe a later time. So, all right. So, that's what's hitting the table and the tablet this week. Again, check out these games. Hopefully that you'll enjoy them. And hopefully they'll get to the table pretty soon because we want to talk about for our feature review is post-quarantine gaming strategy. My friend, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, we are finally leaving our cocoons after, I think at this point, it's over a year that over we've year. been hardcore yep. locked down. I know a lot of people have been out, so this is not a new thing for everybody, but we've been following the letter of the scientific law and trying to keep our family and our friends and especially our gamers safe. So um, this will be our first, you know, adventures, adventure <laughs> out outdoors a little bit. So we wanted to talk about post-quarantine gaming strategy and, uh, you know, hopefully have that conversation with you because hopefully you'll be able to join us at the table pretty soon. So, Anthony, just generally, like, what are your thoughts about actually getting out there in the world and playing games again? Yeah, it's it's funny, like leading up to getting a vaccination, which I didn't even expect to get because, you know, my mindset was like fall end of the year. This is when it's going to happen. So I wasn't even thinking this was possible. <laughs> yeah. And then things really accelerated the last couple of months. And now it's it's generally possible for most people, which is amazing. So if, if you can get it, go get it, please. Um, yes. And so I'm I'm good now, like on Friday, which is like two days from now, which is amazing. <laughs> like two weeks post vaccination. Uh, but I also don't know what to do with that because I hadn't thought about it at all. Uh, I've, I've let my gaming group know that I will be available very soon. Mm -hmm. And we have like a short list of games in which we want to play. Uh, but you know, for me, the main thing is making sure that a, everybody who's at that gaming group is vaccinated so that we can all relax and play comfortably. We don't have to wear masks because the CDC has said, said that that is safe. You know, if you're all vaccinated, everybody's good. You can congregate in a small group without masks. And I'm like, thank goodness, you know, just a small space. It's comfortable. We can just relax. Um, if somebody is not vaccinated, then I don't know. I don't know how we address that. Maybe we talk to them separately or we wear masks or we play outside or whatever it has to be. But it it's tough, right? Like it's been over a year. So like, how do you think about a thing that used to be very normal in a new normal sort of way? Yeah, and I think you started off really well. I mean, the idea first is before anything happens, you have a particular safety strategy going forward. So as you mentioned, you and I will be completely vaccinated. And again, in the U.S., this is kind of astounding considering how bad we've been wearing masks to begin with. So the idea that we can get the vaccine and actually be able to reenter society is, is staggering. I think going out for the first time is going to kind of be a you know a little bit of an emotional journey, a little bit of fear, anxiety, trepidation, but generally excitement to kind of get back out there again. So yeah, I mean we've been being behind our laptops and our computers for a long time. So yeah, the first step is of course, what is your safety strategy? Because again, you need to be responsible for yourself and of your fellow gamers at the table. So we've been told, and I'm sure everyone's heard this on some level or the other, if you're vaccinated. Whether whatever vaccine that was, and if the appropriate time has passed, now you're in a, a situation that you can relatively enter the, the world safely. Now, that being said, they are strongly recommending 
mask or double mask in that situation. So that's actually what I'm going to be doing. So um, going out again, whether it's the store or game night, it's going to be me vaccinated, fully vaccinated, fully give the time. And I think I'm going to go with the double mask, Anthony. Are you doing Are you doing a double mask or a single mask or maybe no mask? I mean, if I'm around people without vaccines, definitely as many masks as I can fit on my face. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have quite the beak, my friend, quite the beak. Yeah, all the, all the masks. Mask, mask, mask. It's good. It all fits. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to go with the again, if everyone says they're vaccinated, maybe a single mask, if I'm not 100% sure, and sometimes let's be honest, they're gamers. Have you been to a convention? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, like gamer crud is a real thing, so I might even have to double mask it to get in out there. Uh, but I I guess also Anthony you mentioned about like talking with your group Right. So I think that's a very important point, too, is that if you're going to a game night at someone's house or if you're going to a game night out in the world, like a store or a friendly local game store or a particular food establishment, then that's that's next level kind of stuff. So, um, you know, with people not wearing masks or not getting vaccines, how do you then broach that subject, Anthony? I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm comfortable sitting in a close like indoor setting with people who have not been vaccinated at close distance right and like i know the logic i've already had this discussion with several people and I- i've spoken to other people who've done this where they're like well some of the people are vaccinated it's fine i don't have anybody i have to worry about i'm like that's not the point and anytime you have to start the conversation with that's not the point you- it's already over like the-, the point is to protect other people so if <sighs> It's really difficult. Like if there's people in your group who are not vaccinated, how do you include them without just being like, no, you're the worst. You can't be vaccinated. You know, like it, it, you end up feeling like you're putting them down. Like, I don't know what to do with that yet. Uh, hasn't sure. come up yet, but I, I am nervous about it because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to not invite them to things, but you also don't want to limit what you're able to do because other people show up who have not been vaccinated and don't want to wear their masks, you know? Yeah, I think part of this is obviously if you can try to control as much of the environment as possible. So if you're in the position where you could have gaming night at your house, then you might want to require, you know, like, hey, I'm having gaming night at my house um, because we want to keep everyone safe. You you know, we're only having vaccinated people here. Um, The mask situation is whatever it is that you know you as the person who owns the house feels comfortable with so you could set the standard up front you could say this is what we're going to be doing and then that might self-select people out of that they might look at that and go ah that's not what i really want to do i don't i don't believe with it i don't agree with it and there you don't have to have that kind of conversation but for most of us, that's not going to be possible. So yeah, then you're going to a gaming night or you're going to someone's house. So then the question does come up, who is vaccinated at this event? Um, you know, Or is it in public? Again, which is then adds its own kind of extra levels of challenge. In that kind of situation, again, you just probably want to find as much information as possible. But I, again, with this kind of unfortunately politically in charge environment, and again, I know for me, I game with people 
that I don't agree with, let's say, their political per <laughs> I wouldn't say persuasion, but it's more pervasion. Um, I don't agree with them on certain topics. So and we've and every once in a while, like rarely, but every once in a while you have a game night and something will come up and you just kind of like, oh, I don't think this, I don't think that, uh, and you kind of look at each other, you're like, oh, this could go down. And then you're just like, let's go yeah. back to the game. <laughs> yeah and it's happened it's like that lines are side cool. like yeah yeah so i think that again if you can control the situation and call the rules and set up the event as such excellent if you can't do that then you need to talk to the person or persons who is running the event and just find out on the side what the situation is going to be and if it's not a safe situation for you or you don't feel comfortable with the situation then i think that probably the best thing to do is again just self-select out of it and just go, yeah, I don't feel comfortable in that situation, um, but not make it a public conversation. Because again, right. we're dealing with a thing that people feel very strongly about, right or wrong, people feel strongly about these things. So um, I think that's something that, you know, you know, I, I don't think it's problematic to ask about if, if people got vaccinated or not. But I think it's problematic if you start diving into you should or shouldn't or if you're there, I'm not going to be there. I think if you find out that that situation is not comfortable, you just walk away from you don't even enter that situation. So, um, yeah, I think you just go with the bottom line. Like, And this applies to pretty much anything in life. Oh, sure. Don't make it personal. Like, If you make yeah. it personal, the second you make it personal, no one's going to listen to you anymore. They're like, yeah, OK, it's like that. Like. It's just like, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what you're comfortable with. We're not on the same page, so it's not going to sure. work, right? You know, and All right. that's a hard conversation to have in 2021, it is. but it's there. And historically, we've been able to have that conversation. So if you start from there, it should be okay. So. Yeah. So let's, so once you've kind of declared, you know, sanctuary or safety on some level, and you are going to a gaming night or you are having a gaming night, um, what is, I guess for you and I, Anthony, we come from a unique situation since we've been quarantined for so long that some of our gaming group, you know, friends have actually been gaming this entire time or at least partially this time. So, um, what is your gaming plans? Like, how are you going to like have that conversation with them as far as like what games to get to the table? Yeah, I, uh, so like my gaming group, um, I think there's just two people that I know in the group who have been vaccinated for a period longer than myself. So sure. maybe a couple months at this point. And they've really just been playing with themselves, <laughs> like two to three people. Um, and so really what's happened is a list of games has developed where like this game wasn't good at two and this game wasn't good at two and this game didn't play at two. Yeah. And so we've got like Dominant Species Marine is on that list and Beyond the Sun is on that list and Lost Ruins of Arnok is on that list. Like all these games that came out last year that maybe some of us got a chance to play in some form, but it was clearly not the right form. Sure. Those are at the top of the list of like, I really want to play this game properly. So smart. Uh, I think Dominant Species at the top because the most of us want to play that uh, Marine. Yes. And yes. then there's a bunch of other stuff underneath that that kind of fits that category of this didn't play well at two or for those of us who've been at home, this didn't play well at one or with the family. And we really want to get these to the table first. And then after those are all done, maybe we can look at things like, you know, it, anything else, honestly. <laughs> Personally, sure. I don't care. I will play anything right now. <laughs> Just like, get me out of the house. I don't care. Um, 
but like I have my own short list of stuff too. I'm just like either I've discussed it on the podcast here where I'm like, I played it with the family or I played it with one or two and it was fine. Or I just, I got it in and I didn't play it at all. Like I haven't had a chance to play it period. Like the twilight Imperium four expansion. I haven't played that. It came out in October. I would love to play it, but I need at least four or five friends who are vaccinated and healthy to be able to play it. And that has not happened yet. So um, there's a lot of stuff like that. So your, your gaming plans is basically whatever you can get to the table, but ideally games that you've already played so that you have a good feel for the game so you can get it like played and see it at the, at the proper player account. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on my shelves right now that I'm like, I think I like this or I think I don't like this, but I'm not willing to make a decision one way or the other until I've played it properly. Um, And there's a bunch of stuff that came in that I haven't played at all. There's a bunch of stuff on the shelves. Oh yeah. So uh, those are the priority. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I would love to get the games that I haven't played at all to the table, but I'm assuming, as you said, like one of the challenges is that, your gaming group probably has been playing games. So um, maybe the games that you have not gotten to the table, they've gotten to the table, or maybe they're already entrenched in something. So maybe they are playing some sort of campaign. Maybe your gaming group has, as you, as you mentioned, Anthony, maybe they got into like two player games. I know one of my gaming groups really got into star Wars Armada, which I'm shocked because they were never that group. And I'm just like seeing pictures no. at the table. But again, it, they have a small player count because of COVID. So right. what ro- works really well with that is miniature games, right? Because, you know, when you play in the flight pass system, it's two or three players, maybe four, again, depending on what system you play. And that's very easy to get to the table with a small group of people who have a lot of time, right? Because you could set everything up, you could do the points, all that. So it makes that makes a lot of sense. So I think for me, Anything I can bring to the table now that I know well to kind of reestablish myself back into the group, you know, being like, because I I think most gaming nights, again, if you want to be somewhat of the hero of the gaming night, you want to bring a game to the table that either no one's played or is like a uber wonderful game that you know really well. So you just like drop on the table and be like, I will teach all of you. Not a problem. I played it. The worst thing is... I have a new game. It's still shrink wrapped. We'll figure it out together. It's <laughs> just like, no, let's not do that at all. So yeah, I think for me in particular, in order to kind of reestablish myself in the group and to kind of like get games to table, I've been playing, as you mentioned before, Anthony, I've been playing a lot of solo games. I mean, or a lot of games in their solo version. So I'm really familiar with them now. So I could certainly get those games to the table and just teach them without an issue and then obviously be able to compare if they're better or worse. Once that's kind of out of the way, once I burn out of like I played it solo or I played it with two people or something like that, and now I'm playing the upper version, I think then I want to go back to my big Euro games that I do have on the shelf. I do want to play Archmage. I do want to play Twilight Imperium. I do want to play all of those huge big box games that have been sitting on the shelf that do need five, six, seven players that you just never get to the table because you don't have that many family members. So, exactly, uh, yeah. 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 So again, I, I, I think it's important to kind of like ease your way into it a little bit, bring the games that you know how to play, reconnect with your friends 
out there, your gaming buddies out there, because I, I think that's an important part. And obviously, you know, like they've been doing other things. So you might have to just wait a little bit until you can kind of like get your stuff to the table because they might have a thing going. So um, again, all part of the kind of process. So, uh, so am I assuming Anthony, then eventually the game of the games that you really want to get to the table is the expansion for TI four. It's, it's up there. Yeah, for okay. sure. Like that is, it's way up there. Um, sure. That's up there. I've got a couple 18 XX games that came in. Those are up oh, there. Okay. Sure. Uh, you know, I've been reorganizing my shelves a little bit, so everything's a little mixed up, but, um, there's a lot of big, that anachrony big box. If I can get people to my house at some point, oh, sure. that's up there. So, cause I ain't carrying that anywhere. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of really big stuff that came in in the last year. Sure. That I'm just like, this is amazing. I can't even play it, let alone, like, I'm not even going to bother with it until I can actually get it out of the house. Um, and there's stuff I've been playing like lost ruins of Arnok. I played that only solo. I'd love to play that. Yeah. I want to know how that plays with other people beyond the sun just launched in beta on board game arena. I would love to play that with other people. And I have not had a chance to yet. So those are high on my list as well. Very cool. So Anthony, a lot of games get to the table, a lot of kind of fun stuff, but I, I guess one of the other things we should talk about post quarantine gaming strategy is the upcoming conventions. Any thoughts about that? I mean, obviously they've all been pushed back to September or later, although your local conventions might vary. So I guess that's another kind of dynamic, you know, what about origins? What, what about Gen Con? Um, what about Essence Spiel? What about PAX Unplugged? And again, the, the variable that we don't really know is what about your local convention? What do we do with these things? Right. Uh, this is hard, yeah. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do, but then Origins at Gen Con made it easy by jamming all their stuff into the end of September when I'm not available. <laughs> Um, they're like, Hey, let's stack them on top of each other within a week across a bunch of holidays. That'll be good. Right. I'm like, great. I don't have to go. Cool. So, um, so like that's right in that gray area, like end of September, the kids are supposed to be mm-hmm. going back to school, everything else where I'm just like, I don't know. Pack some plug is like my target point right now. I'm like, I'm hoping everything's, we're in a good place by then. Like that we reach herd immunity by December that we can get enough people to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll certainly feel safe for myself and my family by then, but sure. will enough other people have made the right decision where that they feel safe and uh, you know, I don't feel like I could spread it to other people. So I don't know yet. It depends. Like if we get to the end of the summer and it's still not clear, I might still wait until next year. Um, I'm hoping by the end of the summer though, we'll have a good sense of whether it's safe or not to go to a convention. And also a big part of that is how does a convention approach it? Like, do they have the safety protocols in place? Do they limit attendance? Do they require masks? Do they require vaccine cards? Like that's a big controversy right now. Are you going to require vaccine proof? You know, like, are you going to say you need to have proof that you've been vaccinated? Um, masks and, you know, uh, you know, hand sanitizer and all that stuff. So I don't know. It depends on a lot of those things. Um, I really want to go to a convention this year though. So I'm hoping someone rises to that level and does the things they need to do to make us feel safe to go. Uh, but I think the earliest I would be able to do that is yeah. December with uh, PAX Unplugged. Yeah. I think for me too, I think obviously 
Origins had a whole situation last year, so the fact that they are again doing it in you know September makes a problem. I work at a college myself, so that's probably not going to fly unless extraordinary measures. And Origins has been known for their what was it the the greatest longest board game convention, right? It's like five days, right? They start on a Wednesday, yeah. start on Wednesday, on a, yeah, yeah. So it's just like that's the big hook of origins is that it's multiple days. So you get a lot of games to the table and there's a lot of fun at, at the convention, but I can't do five days in September. I could do a weekend in September, but it's so costly to get down there that if you don't do the five days, what did you just do? You know? So that's, that's part of the issue. And then with um, Gen Con, of course, Gen Con is like the Uber trade show. So yeah, you can get some games to the table, but it really is about, meeting all the publishers and the people across the globe that you would never have an opportunity to meet with. But because Origins and Gen Con are competing with each other because of the time frame, we're not going to see a, the same number of publishers at either convention that we've seen before. Plus the fact that a lot of other countries are not going to be vaccinated or and or are not going to be allowed to travel to the U.S. to travel to those conventions in September because they won't have any of those special conditions and everything else that they'll need or travel back and forth. So I'm assuming that we're going to see a skeleton crew for both conventions, both in people and in publishers. I don't think that's necessarily the, the end of the world, but I think that's going to be an issue. You and I talked about going to Essen. <laughs> Remember when that was a thing? Remember, we are like, we're going to go to yep. Essen this year. And then, yeah, that was our big so, plan last year. We were going to do it. And then guess we what were. happened? You all know what happened. You were there. <laughs> Stupid COVID. So, again, I don't know if Europe is going to be in that situation to even run the convention. And, again, because of the costly nature of the travel and, you know, the, you know, the reservations and the accommodations and everything else, I think that it would be foolish for us as Americans to go there if we could even go there. We may not even be allowed to go there, you know, not to mention what we'd be bringing back and not to mention an airplane. I mean, there's so many situations that you would be in that even if you were taking every precaution, you might be a carrier and that would just be bad for everyone involved, especially, you know, you go to a gaming convention, there's children there, there's elderly there, there's people with special conditions and special needs. I mean, if you've ever been to a condition, you know, convention, you've seen all of those pop like there's literally every population there's babies and there's people in their hundreds that are a convention and there's just everything in between so i too hope that pax unplugged and again i have a lot of faith in pax unplugged because pax is a machine i've never seen a convention yeah. <laughs> move with such precision i i i hate their lines but they still move with like a, a wondrous per, you know I mean, like, at the end of the show, they just kind of move you all out all at once. And, like, they are not fooling around. Like, I've gotten past Gen Con and I've gotten past Origins as far as the opening and closing, but not PAX Unplugged, man. They just send, like, waves of people after you. So, yeah, yeah I think I think if we're looking for a safe, secure environment to be able to go to a convention and play games at the table, I think they're best. And I think Philly is and always has been a phenomenal, phenomenal city that really steps up. Like they know their stuff. They don't fool around. And that goes also goes for the hotels too. I mean, they're just, they're top notch, you know, and there's a lot of space in Philly to go to a convention. Whereas if you were in like Indianapolis, it's like, 
there's one spot the convention center and then you have to travel like miles and miles and miles to get to other gaming venues which would never work in the middle you know but pax philly has everything within like a walking distance so you can walk it so it's relatively good um so yeah i'm hoping for that as well i don't know about the small independent conventions i just think that again like you said we're gonna have to wait and see you know if our area and again i don't know if the smaller conventions would have would have the security or the money or uh, the foresight or everything else that would go into keeping the convention safe because, you know, I'm touching the same pieces you're touching. Are you eating a bag of Cheetos? Like that happens, right? Like, so like, what are you, you know, like you can't, it's really hard to police a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I think we're going to go safe and secure. And again, we really want everyone who's listening to be safe, secure as possible because we will return to the tables. It will happen. We will join you there. We will play games with you, but we won't if everyone's not safe because that would be bad for everyone involved and you do do want to get back there safely. So uh, yeah, it's something to consider. And again, please hit us up and let us know what your special conditions are or what you're thinking about as far as gaming is concerned. Vaccinated or not vaccinated, masked or not masked, large game groups, small game group conventions. And once those things come up, let us know. Hit us up. Let us know what's going on out there in the world. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a safe, clean, and vaccinated seat at the table. Goodbye, everyone. Take care.